Second configuration. Self-organization elaborates in complexity as the system advances toward the chaotic edge. Ian Malcolm. Clues. Thorne unlocked the door to Levine's apartment and flicked on the lights. They stared, astonished. Arby said, It looks like a museum. Levine's two-bedroom apartment was decorated in a vaguely Asian style, with rich wooden cabinets and expensive antiques. But the apartment was spotlessly clean, and most of the antiques were housed in plastic cases. Everything was neatly labelled. They walked slowly into the room. Does he live here? Kelly said. She found it hard to believe. The apartment seemed so impersonal to her, almost inhuman, and her own apartment was such a mess all the time. Yeah, he does, Thorne said, pocketing the key. It always looks like this. It's why he can never live with a woman. He can't stand to have anybody touch anything. The living room couches were arranged around a glass coffee table. On the table were four piles of books, each neatly aligned with the glass edge. Arby glanced at the titles. Catastrophe Theory and Emergent Structures. Inductive Processes of Molecule Evolution. Cellular Automator. Methodology of Non-Linear Adaption. Phase Transition in Evolutional Systems. There were also some older books with titles in German. Kelly sniffed the air. Something cooking? I don't know, Thorne said. He went into the dining room. Along the wall he saw a hot plate with a row of covered dishes. They saw a polished wood dining table with a place set for one. Silver and cut glass. Soup steamed from the bowl. Thorne walked over and picked up the sheet of paper on the table and read, Lobster biscuit, baby organic greens, Siridahi tuna. A yellow post-it was attached. Hope your trip was good, Romelia. Wow. Kelly said. You mean somebody makes dinner for him every day? I guess, Thorne said. He didn't seem impressed. He shuffled through a stack of unopened mail that had been set aside beside the plate. Kelly turned to some faxes on a nearby table. The first one was from the Peabody Museum at Yale in New Haven. Is this German? she said, handing it to Thorne. Dear Dr. Levine, your requested document. Then a sentence in German, with the dates... 1922-1929 Has been sent by Federal Express today, thank you. Signed, Dina Scrombius, activist. I can't read it, Thorne said. But I uh, think it's something researchers on the geology of Central America, and it's, it's from the 20s, not exactly hard news. I wonder why he wanted it, she said. Thorne didn't answer her. He went into the bedroom. The bedroom had a spare, minimal look. The bed was black, futon, neatly made. Thorne opened the closet door and saw racks of clothing, everything pressed, neatly spaced, much of it in plastic. He opened the top dresser drawer and saw socks folded, arranged by colour. I don't know how he can live like this, Kelly said. Nothing to it, Thorne said. All you need is servants. He opened the other drawers quickly, one after another. Kelly wandered over to the bedside table. There were several books there. The one on top was very small and yellowing with age. It was in German. The title was Die Fünf Todesarten. She flipped through it, saw coloured pictures of what looked like Aztecs in colourful costumes. It was almost like an illustrated children's book, she thought. Underneath were books and journals, articles with the dark red cover of the Centre for Institute, genetic algorithms and heuristic networks. Geology of Central America, Tessellation Automator of Arbitrary Dimensions, 
1989 annual report of the InGen Corporation, and next to the telephone she noticed a sheet of hastily scribbled notes. She recognised the precise handwriting as Levine's. It said, Adverted commas, Site B, adverted commas, Volcanische, Tecano, question mark, Nublar, question mark, One of five deaths, question mark, In MTNS, question mark, No, three exclamation marks, Maybe Gutierrez, and then careful, underlined. Kelly said, What's Site B? He has notes about it. Fawn came over to look. Volcanische, he said. That means volcanic, I think. And, uh, Tecano and Nula. They sound like place names. If they are, we can check that on the Atlas. And then what's this about one of the five deaths? Kelly said. Damn if I know, he said. They were staring at the paper and Arby walked into the bedroom and said, What's side B? Why? You better see his office, Arby said. Levine had turned the second bedroom into an office. It was like the rest of the apartment, admirably neat. There was a desk laid out with papers in tidy stacks alongside a computer covered in plastic. But behind the desk there was a large corkboard that covered most of the wall. And on the corkboard Levine had tacked up maps, charts, newspaper clippings, Landsat images and aerial photographs. At the top of the board was a large sign that said, Site B. Alongside that was a blurred, curling snapshot of a bispectacled Chinese man in a white lab coat standing in the jungle beside a wooden sign that said Site B. His coat was unbuttoned and he was wearing a t-shirt with lettering on it. Alongside the photo was a large blow-up of the t-shirt as seen in the original photograph. It was hard to read the lettering, which was partly covered on both sides by the lab coat, but the t-shirt seemed to say Ngen Site B e-search facility. In neat handwriting Levine had noted Ingen Site B research facility question mark where question mark just below that was a page cut from the InGen annual report a circled photograph read in addition to its headquarters in Palo Alto where InGen maintains an ultra modern 200,000 square foot research laboratory the company runs free field laboratories around the world a geological lab in South Africa where amber and other biological specimens are required a research farm in the mountains of Costa Rica where exotic varieties of plants are grown, and a facility on the island of Isla Nublar, 120 miles off the west coast of Costa Rica. Next to that, Levine had written, No B! Liars! Arby said, He's really obsessed with say B. I'll say, Thorne said, and he thinks it's on an island somewhere. Peering closely at the board, Thorne looked at the satellite images. He noticed that although they were printed in false colours, at various degrees of magnification, they all seem to show the same general geographical area, a rocky coastline, and some islands offshore. The coastline had a beach, an encroaching jungle, it might be Costa Rica, but it was impossible to say for sure. In truth, it could be any dozen places in the world. He said it was on an island, Kelly said. Yeah, Fawn shrugged, but that doesn't help us much. He stared at the board. There must be twenty islands here, maybe more. Fawn looked at the memo near the bottom. Site B, some code words. To all departments of, some code words. Minder of, some code words. Press avoidan, some code words. Then it said, Mr. Hammond wishes to remind all 
but that was crossed out. After some code words, marketing code words, long-term marketing plan code words, marketing of proposed resort facilities require that full complexity of JP technology not to be revealed crossed out, announced made known crossed out. Mr. Hammond wishes to remind all departments that production facilities will not be topic crossed out, subject of any press release or discussion crossed out at any time. Production stroke manufacturer facility cannot be code words, reference to production island loke, Isla S in-house reference only, strict press, code words, guidelines. Well this is weird, he said. What do you make of this? Arby came over and looked at it thoughtfully. All these missing letters are garbage, Fawn said. Does any of it make sense to you? Yes, he said, snapping his fingers, and he went directly to Levine's desk. There he pulled a plastic cover off the computer and said, I thought so. The computer on Levine's desk was not the modern machine that Fawn would have expected. This computer was several years old, large and bulky, its cover scratched in many places. It had a black stripe on the box that said, Design Associates, Inc. And lower down, right by the power switch, a shiny little metal tag that said, Property International Genetics Technology, Inc. Palo Alto, CA. What's this? Fawn said. Levine has an engine computer? Yeah, Arby said. He sent us to buy it last week. He was selling off computer equipment. And he sent you? Fawn said. Yeah, me and Kelly. He didn't want to go himself. He's afraid of being followed. But this thing's a CAD-CAM machine. It must be five years old, Fawn said. CAD-CAM computers were used by architects, graphic artists, and mechanical engineers. Why would Levine want it? He never told us, Arby said, flipping on the power switch. But I know now. Yeah? The memo, Arby said, nodding to the wall. You know why it looks that way? It's a recovered computer file. Levine's been recovering engine files from this machine. As Arby explained it, all the computers that engine sold that day had had their hard drives reformatted to destroy any sensitive data on the disks. But the CAD-CAM machines were an exception. These machines all had special software installed by the manufacturer. The software was keyed to individual machines, using individual code references. That made these computers awkward to reformat, because the software would have to be reinstalled individually, taking hours. So they didn't do it? Fawn said. Right, Arby said. They just erased the directory and sold them. And that means the original files are still in the disk? Right. The monitor glowed. The screen said, Total recovered files, 2,387. Jeez, Arby said. He leaned forward, staring instantly. Fingers poised over the keys. He pushed the directory button, and row after row the files' names scrolled down. Thousands of files in all. Fawn said, uh, How are you going to... Give me a minute here, Arby said, interrupting him. Then he began to type rapidly. Okay, Arp, Fawn said. He was amused by the imperious way Arby behaved whenever he was working on the computer. He seemed to forget how young he was. His usual diffidence and timidity vanished. The electronic world was really his element, and he knew he was good at it. Thorn said, Any any help you can give us will be... Doc, Arby said. Come on, go! And uh, I, I don't know, help Kelly with something. And he turned away and typed. Raptor. Velociraptor was six feet tall and dark green. Poised to attack, it hissed loudly, its muscular neck thrust forward, jaws wide. Tim, one of the modelers, said, What do you think, Dr. Malcolm? 
Uh, no menace, Malcolm said, walking by. He was in the back wing of the biology department on his way to his office. Uh, no menace, Tim said. They uh, never stand like this, flat-footed on two feet. Give him a book. He grabbed a notebook from the desk and placed it on the forearms of the animals. And uh, he might be singing a Christmas carol. Gee, Tim said, I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, bad, Malcolm said. Uh, this is uh, an insult to a great predator. We should feel his speed and menace and power. Widen the jaws. Uh, get the neck down. Tense the uh, muscles. Tighten the skin. And get that leg up. Remember, raptors don't attack with their jaws. They use their uh, toe claws, Malcolm said. I, uh, I want to see the claws uh, raised up, ready to slash down and tear the guts out of its prey. You really think so? Tim said doubtfully. It might scare the kids. Uh, you mean it might scare you? Malcolm continued down the hallway. And another thing, Chad, change that hissing sound. It sounds like somebody taking a pee. Give the animal a snarl. Give the, the great predator's Jew. Gee, Tim said. I didn't know you had such personal feelings about it. Well, it should be accurate, Malcolm said. You know, there is a, such a thing as accurate and inaccurate, irrespective of whatever your feelings are. He walked on, irritable, ignoring the momentary pain in his leg. The modular annoyed him. Although he had to admit Tim was just a representative of the current fuzzy-minded thinking, what Malcolm called sappy science. Malcolm had long been impatient with the arrogance of his scientific colleagues. They maintained that arrogance, he knew, by resultantly ignoring the history of science as a way of thought. Scientists pretended that history didn't matter, because the errors of the past were now corrected by modern discoveries. But of course their forebears had believed exactly the same thing in the past too. They had been wrong then, and modern scientists were wrong now. No episode of science history proved it better than the way dinosaurs had been betrayed over the decades. It was sobering to realise that the most accurate perception of dinosaurs had also been the first. Back in the 1840s, when Richard Owen first described giant bones in England, he named them Dinosauria, terrible lizards. That was still the most accurate description of these creatures, Malcolm thought. They were indeed like lizards, and they were terrible. But, since Owen, the scientific view of dinosaurs had undergo many changes. Because Victorians believed in the inevitability of progress, they insisted that the dinosaurs must necessarily be inferior, or why else would they be extinct? So the Victorians made them fat, lethargic and dumb. Big dopes from the past. The perception was elaborated so that by the early 20th century dinosaurs had become so weak they could not support their own weight. Apatosaurs had to stand belly deep in water, or they would crush their own legs. The whole conception of the ancient world was suffused with these ideas of weak, stupid, slow animals. That view didn't change until the 1960s, when a few, when a few renegade scientists led by John Ostrom began to imagine quick, agile, hot-blooded dinosaurs. Because these scientists had the temerity to question dogma, they were brutally criticised for years, even though it now seemed their ideas were correct. But in the last decade, a growing interest in social behaviour had led to still another view. Dinosaurs were now seen as caring creatures, living in groups raising their little babies. They were good animals, even cute animals. The big sweeties had nothing to do with their terrible fate, which was visited on them by Alvarez's meteor. And that new, sappy view produced people like Tim, who were reluctant to look at the other side of the coin, the other face of life, 
Of course, some dinosaurs had been social and cooperative, but others had been hunters and killers of unparalleled viciousness. For Malcolm, the truest picture of life in the past incorporated the interplay of all aspects of life, good and the bad, the strong and the weak. It was no good pretending anything else. Garing little kids indeed, Malcolm snorted irritably as he walked down the hall. In truth, Malcolm was bothered by what Elizabeth Gelman had told him about the tissue fragment, and especially the tag. That tag meant trouble. Malcolm was sure of it. But he wasn't sure what to do about it. He turned the corner, past a display of Clovis points, arrowheads made by early man in America. Up ahead, he saw his office. Beverly, his assistant, was standing beside her desk, tidying papers, getting ready to go home. She handed him his faxes and said, I've left word for Dr. Levine at his office, but he hasn't called back. They don't seem to know where he is. For a change, Malcolm said, sighing. It was so difficult working with Levine. He was so erratic, he never knew what to expect. Malcolm had been the one to post bail when Levine was arrested in his Ferrari. He rifled through the faxes. Conference dates, requests for reprints. Nothing interesting. Okay, uh, thanks, Beverly. Oh, and the photographers came. They finished about an hour ago. A what? Photographers, he said. From Chaos Quarterly, to photograph your office? Ah, uh, what are you talking about? Malcolm said. They came to photograph your office, she said. A series about workplaces of famous mathematicians. They had a letter from you saying it was a... I never sent any letter, Malcolm said. And I've never heard of Chaos Quarterly. He went to his office and looked around. Beverly hurried in after him, her face worried. Is it okay, is everything here? Yes, he said, scanning quickly. It seems to be fine. He was opening the drawers of his desk, one after another. Nothing appeared to be missing. Oh, that's a relief, Beverly said, because he turned and looked at the far side of the room. The map. Malcolm had a large map of the world with pins stuck in it from all the sightings of what Levine kept calling aberrant forms. By the most... Liberal count, Levine's count, there had now been twelve in all, from Rangiroa in the west to Baja California and Ecuador in the east. Few of them were verified, but now there was a tissue sample that confirmed one specimen, and that made all the rest more likely. Uh, did they uh, photograph the map? Yeah, they photographed everything. Does it matter? Malcolm looked at the map, trying to see it with fresh eyes, to see what an outsider would make of it. He and Levine had spent hours in front of the map, considering the possibility of a lost world, trying to decide where it might be. They had narrowed it down to five islands in a chain off the coast of Costa Rica. Levine was convinced that it was one of those islands, and Malcolm was beginning to think he was right. But those islands weren't highlighted on the map. Beverly said, They were a very nice group, very polite, far and Swiss, I think. Malcolm nodded and sighed. The hell with it, he thought. It was bound to get out sooner or later. It's, uh, it's all right, Beverly. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Have a good evening. Good night, Dr. Malcolm. Alone in his office, he dialed Levine. The phone rang, and then an answered machine beeped. Levine was still not home. Uh, Richard, are you, are you there? If you are, I'll pick up. It's, it's, it's important. He waited, but nothing happened. Uh, uh, Richard, it's, it's Ian. Uh, listen, we, uh, we, we have a problem. Uh, the map is, is no longer secure, and, uh, I've had a sample analyzed. Uh, Richard, I think it tells us the location of Site B. Uh, if, if my, there was a click as the phone lifted, he heard the sound of breathing. Uh, Richard, he said. No, said the voice. This is Thorn. 
and I think you better get over here right away.